Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. I'm Damien Fantato, Deputy Editor of FT Advisor. Last week, we saw the fourth Chancellor of the Exchequer of 2022 deliver the third fiscal event of 2022. Jeremy Hunt, who by surviving into this week managed to avoid beating his predecessor as the shortest serving Chancellor ever, used his autumn statement to raise taxes, sort of. Faced with a fiscal black hole of about £55 billion, he didn't increase any of the headline rates, but he froze the personal allowance and the higher rate income tax thresholds and reduced the additional rate threshold. He also continued the freeze on inheritance tax and national insurance thresholds and cut the tax-free allowance for dividends and capital gains taxes. Oh, and he increased the triple lock, which will see the state pension increase by £800 a year. So, what are the financial planning implications of last week's autumn statement? With me to discuss this are Laura Souter, Head of Personal Finance at AJ Bell, Tim Morris, Independent Financial Advisor at Russell & Co, and Alex Shield, Chartered Financial Planner at the Private Office. Hello, everyone. Hi, Damien. Hi. Morning. So, we've seen uh, tax thresholds frozen uh, again. The the freeze, it's not a new freeze, the the freeze has continued, been extended from 2026 to 2028. the income, the, the inheritance tax threshold, if it reaches 2028, will have been frozen for two decades nearly. What, um, Tim, we'll start with you. What are the implications for this from a, from the point of view of someone who has to um, plan your, your, your client's uh, tax affairs? Yeah, well, plenty going on for us. So uh, I think as financial advisors, we felt a little bit left out in uh, recent budgets and we're very much not here. And, uh, you know, there there is plenty to go on. And, uh, you know, it's never really bad news for us in terms of these type of changes because they are planning opportunities and and reasons to have discussions with clients. And so, you know, and the more that we engage with clients, the better, you know, for that client relationship. And so all good. And uh, and obviously there's, yeah, more value there for the client. And so, you know, in in that respect, it's good, Um, you know, changes. Is, is you know always difficult to deal with, but uh, it's a case of saying, well, look, we're here for our clients, and yeah, we can definitely help you with these changes and make sure we we improve the finances going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura, was there anything that particularly jumped out at you from the um, the array of frozen uh, and cut uh, tax thresholds? So I think there was actually some new figures out this morning from the government themselves looking at the impact of that um, reduction in the additional rate threshold. Um, So bringing that down, um, pointed out that 232,000 more additional tax rate payers um, in 23-24. So we can see the scale of that particular change there in terms of dragging more people into that 45% tax rate at the same time as obviously they'll be paying more tax on their um, income lower down the spectrum because of those frozen allowances. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because I saw some figures on that actually and um, yeah, it was around quarter of a million but also um, that's in terms of people dragged into yeah, the 45% tax but then about another 4 million people, about 4.2 said uh, who were paying the 60% effective rate of tax um, and so as I say in terms of planning opportunities, great but a lot of people don't even realise that they're being dragged into that and so you know these this is you know as always the case when there's changes, whether they're trying to simplify things or not, as I say, then you know there will be additional complexities. So hence why the planning is so important. Mm. Alex, in, in these sorts of situations where you have a fiscal drag going on, is there much you, you can do about it for your clients or do you just have to encourage them to em, uh, embrace it? Yeah, I think, well, taking action now is, is certainly something to consider where these, for example, the capital gains tax allowance being reduced, dividend taxes um, being reduced. Um, I think if, if clients have got rental properties, um, maybe 
crystallizing uh, gains now where that uh, when there's the allowance is still available there's still the 12,300 um, compared to in a couple of years where that would be 3,000 per person that could be attractive especially I think the OBR has predicted house rises house prices will reduced by um by nine percent um by the by 2024 so if, if if clients do have rental properties that that could be something they'd be looking at taking action now but obviously they've got a limited time frame to actually get the sale through mm. on, the, on that very specific point of clients who might have rental properties i, I saw somebody comment uh, over the, uh, after the autumn statement that this would further encourage people to to sell off is that something that you're going to be you would you might recommend uh, to a client to do alex I, th- I think it's a consideration. Um, I, th- I think it, it's all part of the the, the overall financial plan. Obviously, um, the property has been a, a great investment, and uh, over the previous years, and there's been talk of uh, house prices falling uh, in the past, but but it never seems to happen. So it's certainly a conversation we'd be having with with clients. Um, but um, but but as I say, there's uh, the, the time potentially to, to make take action before these redu- these reductions kick in is is um is quite a short period of time mm. and uh, just to answer that, actually i think for me it's a case of well if i've got a client who's thinking of selling which we've got a few then now's the time because of this reduction i mean it you know it does make a massive difference especially with london prices but um and the gains that they've probably made over the last decade or so but um yeah the fact that the cgt allowance is, is halving and then halving again um you know another couple of years time so you know that that's a you know opportunity there to take advantage of definitely mm-hmm yeah. Um, Laura, do you think that this is, um, you know, do you think that the, the um, there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, more and more people being dragged into things like inheritance tax or maybe capital gains tax, but the proportion of people who are affected by inheritance tax is still relatively small, isn't it? It's not a, it's a, you know, your chances of paying inheritance tax are, I think it was, I think it's like 4% of deaths which are subject to inheritance tax. Yeah, it's actually a small proportion of the population or a small proportion of estates, I should say, that actually pay inheritance tax. But I think the cumulative impact of these frozen allowances, on top of the fact that we've seen house prices and asset prices rise dramatically, means that lots of people who wouldn't consider themselves to be wealthy, but maybe they have a property that's gained a lot in value, um, will be dragged into this, particularly if we think about, we obviously got the extra residence nil rate banned, but that's very tricksy elements to it and lots of people won't be eligible for that Um, and so for them that lower threshold actually isn't a huge amount when you take into account a property and maybe some assets and I think it's also probably worth flagging that on the IHT stuff there's a there's a taper that starts for the residence nil rate band at two million Um, that's also been frozen as well so it means that um, you've got people on the lower end that can't use the residence nil rate band that will be dragged into it, but also people on the higher end who have seen their estate grow dramatically in value above that two million won't be eligible for the residence nil rate band either, and will have that lower allowance. So I think it's kind of a squeeze from both sides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the other things that was done during the in, in the autumn statement was the increase as i mentioned earlier to the to the state pension uh due to the triple lock which now sits at above ten ten thousand pounds a year some one of the interesting comments i thought uh, i've seen is the fact that if the, the given that the personal allowance is now frozen the the state pension is now 
getting closer and closer to yeah, the being to the pers- to the personal allowance. <laughs> yeah. uh, surely that's not a, surely that's not a, it's they're a, not going to be able to get away with that. No, I mean one of these unintended consequences, uh, although perhaps not unintended. Who knows? But um, you know, it, it's a case of you know one of the figures that I read on that was um, about, there's going to be about seven point three million taxpayers now who are pensioners. You know, people over the age of um, you know say sixty five. I think that figure was. But um, um, but yeah, the the other side of things is that actually it's probably no bad thing in general that they're paying a little bit more because you know the other side of things is the the state pension is unaffordable in its current state and that will get worse now unfortunately because of the triple lot that's the, the downside to it and, uh, and and then you've got the other side people who are going to have to be working until they're you know 69 70 now potentially until they can claim the state pension so you know it is finding that balance but i think it was the right thing to do because of the fact that we had the small increase what was it sort of three just over three percent three point one something last year which ended up way below inflation so you know i think it's right um but um yeah and say so there could be definitely unintended consequences down the line um just kicking the can really mm-hmm. well i guess the politics of the of increasing the triple lock are fairly obvious um but um was it from a, was it the, the right thing to do do you think yeah so the cynic in me says you know it's it's political suicide to uh, cut the wages of the very people that vote for you shortly ahead of a general election. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we can all acknowledge that that was probably the main motivation for doing it. But also I think they acknowledge that um, there would be a lot of negative headlines if they cut the triple lock for a second year in a row. And I think at that point they would have then had to have rethought the entire triple lock system and and reviewed that entirely rather than just continually scrapping it. Um, And I think there's a lot of kind of cries of intergenerational unfairness, but um, assuming the state pension is still around when all of us are retirement age, will also benefit from that increase because it's cumulative and and we get the increase on top. Mm. Obviously, that is a very large if it's still around. I'm sure they'll find a way to take it away. <laughs> <But> then, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got I've got about forty years to wait for that. So, <laughs> assume, assuming I retire somewhere, just, in, somewhere in my seventies. Just think how much that'll build up between now and then. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, uh, Alex, where, where do you where do you stand on on this issue? Yeah, so I, I'd link it in with the the previous conversation actually about um, the, the the frozen tax bans. I think we'll see more pensions potentially break into that higher rate of tax if they have, for example, defined benefit pensions, which have have also increased sort of in in line with inflation potentially with a cap. But we, that that that's a, another consequence uh, potentially of this is that, that that they would be paying higher rates of tax. And from a planning point of view, if you if there's there's individuals who are sort of below age seventy five but receiving the state pension and the defined benefit pension, um, potentially funding pensions further uh, with the, the 3,600 gross contribution, it potentially uh, a tax saving there at 40% rather than 20 if they are pushed into that higher rate of tax. Mm-hmm. So do you think you might be having conversations with some of your clients about maybe taking less money from, the, from their pension? Yeah, absolutely. So if there's a state pension in, in payment, there's a defined benefit pension in payment, and then it's being topped up with a, uh, a SIP, for example, then potentially that there could be an argument to reduce those, uh, reduce that income. So no high rate tax is paid. And then looking at other sources to to, to fill the gap. Tim, are you having a similar conversation with Cons? 
Yeah, very much so. And, um, you know, have got clients who've deferred the state pension being in a position where they haven't needed to take it straight away. And, and um, obviously that can be a benefit to people. But then the flip side is now that, yeah, they may be paying a bit more tax. But as I say, most people are, you know, OK with that if they're in a, a decent position. And um, as I say, it's then, you know, helping them with their own other planning to make sure they're not paying more tax than they need to, um, you know, on other income. And, uh, you know, that is becoming more difficult because, you know, I've got clients who run their own businesses and obviously corporation tax is going up as well. Um, you know, a lot of people be paying up to 25% there and, uh, and dividend tax up to 39% there. You know, the allowance has been reduced 10 times from what it was. And yeah, you know, they've been hit in all directions. And I think, you know, the government did want to sort of level up a bit to use the term, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the taxation for businesses, uh, you know, against personal individuals. Um, but yeah, say there are ways that we can work with clients to, to help them, um, you know, to ease the burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose it's a particular, might be a difficult conversation to have with somebody who who's retired particularly at a time of the cost of living uh, cost of living crisis yeah, very much so. uh, yeah to yeah. think well actually best thing to do, to do might be to reduce your uh, reduce your income it, yeah well that's it's a difficult conversation to have but one that we're having quite a bit this year where people are having to rein in their spending a little bit but actually you know in terms of um, in, investment wise um, you know the markets have been hit um, most people across the board doesn't matter even if they're a lower risk investor um, you know I've seen some clients someone came to me with a, you know his pension mainly in guilt and uh, obviously we've seen that hammered after the uh, mini budget um, you know debacle but uh, yeah so, so it's just working with these people to help make sure that their financial futures are still secure not just now but for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years as long as they're you know living and, and people are obviously yeah, living longer through retirement so you know it's giving them that uh, for want of a better phrase peace of mind but yeah that, that's what people want. Mm-hmm. Hello what do, what do you, what's your, what do you think about how you know any any particular thoughts on how um, people in retirement should you know navigate their way through this period where you have frozen allowances um you know a, a fallen threshold at the, the additional rate and the rising cost of living yeah i don't want to you know kind of create work for uh, my fellow guests on here but i think there's never been a better time for getting a financial planner i think um the fact that all of these rates are changing and that there are ways that you can structure your your investments now to try and mitigate some of these tax hits. I think even things like um, we were looking at the fact that now you have a personal savings allowance, which is your tax-free um, amount for cash savings. That's now ultimately going to be more generous than your dividend tax-free allowance. And so I think there's small things like that that could really spark the point of, okay, maybe I, I, I've been doing it DIY for now, but maybe I actually need to go and see a financial planner to work out how I can really save tax. And the same with kind of tipping into that higher rate or additional rate um, threshold, which then obviously has a knock-on effect on the amount of dividend tax you pay or the capital gains tax you pay. So if you can keep your earnings below that threshold, it can have that kind of triple whammy effect of saving you tax across the board. That's not to say that it can't be done yourself, but I think with the complication potentially that the government has introduced into the tax system here, it does create a good, I guess, a good advertisement for financial planning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, totally agree with that. And yeah, there's a lot of smart people who struggle to get their heads around this. And um, you know, if they're busy people, then they think, well, yeah, I don't want to be dealing with this problem. Let me hand it over to you, Tim. So all good with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> on on the issue of um, just 
I suppose this is connected to the people in, who are in retirement. On the, on the issue of the inheritance tax side of things, I, sometimes I speak to advisors who say, well, they don't really do inheritance tax planning because, you know, that suggests that your sort of your, your financial plan kind of has failed because they, you don't want to get people you don't want to get people going into things like, you know, VCTs or EIS or all these sorts of um, slightly uh, slightly. Um, High risk things. Yeah, you know, yeah. Although the end of more, their lives. more mainstream these days, yeah. but but obviously, yeah, for, for those yeah. type of clients, people, that, you know, uh, yeah, later on in life, it's not mm. necessarily going to be yeah. uh, suitable for a lot of them. Yeah. Does this freeze maybe make you think that actually we do have to be a little bit more sort of proactive on that side? Um, yeah, very much so. Um, you know, uh, as we mentioned earlier, saying about uh, people with the sort of properties over two million pounds, you know, can't feel too sorry for those people, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not these days. But um, but yeah, you know, there, there is a planning opportunity. And, you know, I had a client come to me and say. Well, Tim, actually, I'm looking to take some money out of the family home, you know, to help out his daughter who was struggling to get on the property ladder. And, he, you know, he said to me, well, the reason I'm looking to do this was actually it will reduce, you know, having a bit of debt on the estate wouldn't be a bad thing um, because it, it would help, you know, bring him back within that residential nil rate or, or rather, you know, from losing the tapering from the um, residential nil rate band. Um, you know, so, so yeah, you know, it, it's a case of the, there are planning opportunities there for, for clients. And, uh, and again, as we mentioned, you know, we've had this frozen allowance now it's you know another what, sort of six years till 2028 but it's actually been yeah a couple of decades where it's been at that level and and the average house price is 300,000 now so it's actually taking up majority of the nil rate band for, for one person so mm. uh, you know the say most people now with property you know inheritance tax isn't intended and you know some people say well oh yeah it's not well property alone isn't a problem but actually it is a lot you know it's mm. an illiquid asset if it's worth over a million pounds you, you're stuck really mm. yeah what about you alex are you having a more proactive conversation with your clients about this? Uh, absolutely. And, and I think, um, as you said, frozen allowances, it, the ABR is talking about inflation of 9.1 and then 7.4% in the next couple of years. That is clearly going to bring more people into the, um, the sort of the net where they are paying inheritance tax. Uh, a lot of the conversations we're having are around um, maybe people coming up to retirement or just retired. They're at the, they've got the hopefully the, the highest level of assets they will have ready to fund retirement maybe in 10 years time 15 years time they'll have spent spent some of those assets so so that's where life insurance can work quite well on potentially a joint life second death policy um for uh, for a married couple just sort of get that cover that that will, will cover that 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 period while the assets are in their estate and then maybe in 10 15 years time they've they've spent their assets they've, they've gifted and, and it's less of an issue so so that could be quite a um a, a potentially lower cost solution to 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 solving the problem in the short term Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura, we've, we've touched on, on the cost of living a, a little bit already, but are there any particular, I suppose we've, having having mentioned that uh, Tim, one of Tim's clients lives in a £2 million house, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my uncle as well, so I can't feel too sorry for him. <laughs> He's probably not listening on it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, are there any, um, I suppose, but, but obviously if you live in a £2 million house, that doesn't necessarily mean you have £2 million sitting around. No. Um, so um, are there any particular um, things that you think... Um, you know, financial advisors, financial planners should be doing uh, to help their clients through the period, which, uh, if you follow, if you believe the Bank of England will last uh, about a year or, or more. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tricky time, and, and we're looking at a very a long recession ahead. Now, 
that tends to impact working age people more in terms of a unsecure job market or um, you know lower wage growth. Uh, but there is a knock-on effect on on those retirees as well. And coupled with, as you mentioned, the cost of living crisis going up, everyone's seeing their costs rising. Um, and I think energy bills is the other big area that we've not talked about that was that was covered in the autumn statement that has a huge impact on um, retired households. Um, so what we're going to see from April next year is that that energy price guarantee that the government introduced is becoming less generous. So at the moment, they're capping um, costs for the average household at £2,500 a year. It's going to go up to £3,000 a year. They have um, handed out a bit extra in terms of those cost of living support payments um, to those on benefits. So that would affect those on pension credit. So like you say, maybe not the average kind of financial advisor customer, um, but other people out there, um, they'll get £900 where they previously got £650. Um, and then there's additional help as well in terms of the bump up to the winter fuel allowance. Um, so there is help there, but we're all getting £400 off our energy bills this winter. Um, there's been no mention of replicating that next year. So that's something that we're taking away. So if you couple that with the energy price guarantee, that's an extra almost thousand pounds a year that we're going to see onto our energy bills and then that money's got to come from somewhere now if you're working age you can maybe negotiate a pay rise you can move jobs um but of course if you're retired that's money that you've got to find from from that pot yourself mm. yeah uh, alex well, from from the financial from the point of view of a financial planner what do you think uh, do you see it as your job to maybe go through talk to someone and say well hang on a second you're spending 300 pounds a month on sandwiches from Pret here or um <laughs> you know um you know they should sign up to 30 pound a month yeah or something like that do you, do you yes do you see that as, as maybe as your role well i think it's certainly part of the the cash flow modeling we would do for all clients is to look at um you know what you've, what have you got coming in um what are you spending and the uh the ability to maintain that expenditure um and i think with with inflation where it is and potentially well, investments falling this year as well we're having to sort of readjust those plans for for our existing clients so um you know co- we're putting up their costs we're, we're we're reflecting the reductions that they've had in the sort of the falls in the value of their investments and um, we're, we're seeing about the feasibility of that uh, spending that at the current level so I think it absolutely is our job to sort of point out if um, if they're running down their, their pot too quickly mm-hmm. um, but then also to to hopefully give give reassurance that um, despite the, the the economic conditions we've got that, that the plan is is still on track and where appropriate so it's definitely a conversation we need to have with clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess make sure that you could, as 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 Laura mentioned, there are lots of different schemes that have now been launched, and I guess you you want to make sure that your clients are making the most of all of these various schemes that have been launched. Yeah, absolutely, and um, you know the cost of energy is a, a, a big um, well, in the headlines at the moment. It's it's a big big consideration, and so we we need to yeah, as, as you say, make sure that the clients are aware of the, the the schemes that are available, but also that they're they're planning appropriately for. For how these co- their costs are going to change over time. Mm-hmm. Tim, is there anything in particular that you're doing to help um, clients? Yeah, you know, cost of living is an issue for pretty much everybody these days. And um, you know, we, we talk about two billion pound property values, but as you say, a lot of people who have got properties worth even a million pounds in London can often be, you know, asset rich in terms of property, but cash poor. And um, you know, for, for people like that, you know, it is difficult. And uh, you know, as Alex says, you, you know, you, you can see at the moment that um, well. You know, when when you're doing a cash flow uh, forecast with a client, it's you know it's really powerful to say, well, look, this is the impact that it's had 
in terms of, you know, where we are from a year ago. And actually, you know, even based on the same income without really tweaking it, um, without having to reduce it, um, they should still have, you know, sufficient money in terms of last of them, you know, however long you've, you've discussed with that, whether it's till you know, 90, 100, however old. Um, but yeah, you know, it, the other side of it is actually people are needing to increase their, their spending. So, so just saying you can take the same, you know, isn't ideal. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's difficult times. People are having to make cutbacks. I mean, you know, there was talk of saying the, um, you know, we're about 3.7% lower in terms of real incomes, but that could be more like 7% um, you know, over the next year or so. And yeah, so so it is having a squeeze on people. And if mm-hmm. we can yeah, help them get a, a bit of extra income, it, it is very welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all we've it's all been a little bit apocalyptic um, thus far. Taxes, um, <laughs> you know, um, tax thresholds being frozen, in some cases going down, cost of living going up. Was, uh, Laura, was there anything that you think was um, good news from from the autumn statement, particularly anything? Um, yeah, so the minimum wage is increasing, and mm. that is very good news for people that are struggling with that cost of living um, crisis that are at probably the lower end of the pay spectrum. Um, a bit like the triple lock was raised by that kind of almost 10% figure, similar increase for the minimum wage, so um, which has an impact. Someone working full-time on the minimum wage will make um, almost £1,700 a year extra, which is a decent chunk of money. Um, mm. Obviously, a lot of that is going to be eaten up in cost-of-living increases, but let's ignore that and keep it on the positive. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. No, this, this is all positive for me. <laughs> it all gets me excited. <laughs> but, no, it's, um, yeah, I think there was some good stuff. I mean, I think the thing is, you know, in terms of the message, you know, it went from less than two months ago you know we we're having nearly 50 billion pounds of you know tax cuts giveaways and you know that was meant to create a feel-good factor and it did really nothing like that because we just thought well, hang on a minute there's no way that these you know we can afford this and uh, you know it wasn't costed and you know now we've got a, a sensible plan and we've gone to you know more like 50 billion pounds in spending cuts and, and tax rises so you know it's not that positive message but i think it's actually received more positively um you know and and, and you know, the, i guess the caveat is a lot of the spending um cuts so, you know they, they're sort of kicking the can down the road with those a couple of years maybe but we'll see you know what happens you know things could be changed there but yeah I think there were some positives in terms of that that extra um, you know spending for the NHS and uh, you know that's very much needed benefits and yeah as Laura mentioned living wage and uh, yeah so so there was some really good stuff in there because you know people's spending power is being eroded and uh, yeah we need to be mindful of that. Mm. Alex any anything you'd like to suggest? No, I would agree that the, the market reaction is uh, everything's relative, I guess, and the market reaction was a lot better than the mini budget. So um, that's that's one positive. But um, I think also with the the freezing of the allowances, um, that that does mean higher taxes for, for some people. But that also means more more tax relief on pension contributions if if. Mm people are pay, funding their pensions so so that's uh that's one positive yeah yeah but you know state pension over ten thousand pounds for the first time great news i sent that update to clients and i got more responses than i get usually <laughs> from updates <laughs> so it's like oh brilliant <laughs> somebody does appreciate uh, you know the uh, the updates all good probably already planning where they're going to spend <laughs> yeah <that much. laughs> very much so <laughs> cool great well thank you laura tim and alex and thank you for listening and tune in again next week for the next edition of the ft advisor podcast